Hello, I'm Eugene Chausovsky, a senior Eurasia analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, our premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. I tell people there isn't a, a weapon in my books that I haven't used unless it's bolted to an airframe. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I'm, I've fired it. Welcome to the Stratfall Podcast from Stratfall.com. I'm Ben Sheen. In this episode of the Pen and Sword series, Fred Burton catches up with Brad Thor, best-selling author of the Scott Harvath series. His latest novel, Backlash, is a tense thriller where the action starts on page one and only gets more intense chapter by chapter. Stratfall's chief security officer, Fred Burton, has read it, and he says that agent, assassin, and spy, Scott Harvath, doesn't just get business done, but in this book, he gets even. Let's go over to Fred and Brad as they talk about Backlash. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and I'm talking today with Brad Thor, who has a new book coming out called Backlash. Brad, it's great to have you back on the Strat4 podcast. It's great to be back with you, Fred. Thank you for having me. Now, your book is published right around the corner, correct? Yep, that's correct. Where are you headed for? Well, because I know I'm going to forget some of the cities. They're all listed at bradthor.com, but uh, I'll be in D.C., Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, uh, Scottsdale, just outside Phoenix, and I'll be doing the Reagan Library. Uh, and I think that's, I think I got the full list there. Now, this is your 18th Scott Harvath book? Correct. Wow. How do you keep a character like this going after so many books? <laughs> that's, you know, that's the key. I, I've got a bad example that I use, Fred, and, I, and it's not 100% accurate, but it helps solidify it in people's minds. As I tell people, think the American James Bond. And you can go see the newest James Bond movie without ever having seen any of the other films and still get a great, great ride out of it. You don't need to read any of my previous books to read the newest Backlash. So part of what I do is I approach each new book as if it's the first one. I, I assume people reading the books haven't read them before. So I've got to set up the character in such a way that I grip people right out of the gate, but I also don't bore uh, past readers with information that they already knew about the character. So it's it's kind of this juggling act uh, as far as getting into the novel. But with each one, I try to do a storyline nobody else has done, to do something different uh, while looking over the horizon, trying to be predictive with, with what's coming next. It's a real juggling act because I want the books to be evergreen. I want people to read stuff and think, this is about to happen on my doorstep and be able to pick up one of my books five years later and still have it be gripping and exciting and plausible. Well, you've certainly done that with Backlash. I had the privilege of reading an advanced copy, and I know it's a perfect uh, follow-up to Spymaster. So you've done a real good job there and certainly hit a home run. Thank you very much. The The advanced reviews have been fantastic. And, and one of the ones, in addition to your kind words just now, that I was really proud of is a reviewer who specializes in this genre said that by this point in their careers, Clancy had peaked, Ludlum had <laughs> peaked, but Thor just keeps getting better with each book, which is you know, music to an author's ears, particularly somebody who's you know on uh, the 18th in a series. 
Brad, I was talking to one of your favorite fans, and he wanted me to ask you, where do you get your ideas for your plots and your characters? Uh, in the shower or after the second glass of bourbon. That's, <laughs> that's where they come from. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people retired as well as active in military, law enforcement, uh, the intelligence arenas. And so I talk to them a lot. I buy a lot of beer, a lot of steak dinners, and ask them, what's keeping you up at night? And what kept you up at night uh, last year? And what are you worried about five years from now? So it's a lot of just kind of asking questions and spending a lot of time with the people who are on the front lines, whether, you know, it's CIA people, whether it's uh, tip of the spear with uh, tier one guys at DevGru or Delta. Uh, and that's really where a lot of the inspiration comes from is, is the real world. I, I call what I do faction, where you don't know where the facts end and the fiction begins. Yeah, that's very well put. And I know, having read all of your books, that uh, you're very good with your weapons and your gear. And in looking at all the different weapons that uh, Scott Harvath has at his disposal, what has been your favorite one? I don't know. It's been so much fun to buy uh, different weapons, uh, to own them myself and shoot them. I tell people there isn't a a weapon in my books that I haven't used unless it's bolted to an airframe. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I'm, I've, I've, I've fired it. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I've got a ton of 1911s, and I really enjoy 1911s, and I've got a, a beautiful Les Bear custom. I've got an Accuracy X custom 1911, which is fantastic. But I'm a Glock guy. Glock is really simple. They're really easy to service. Uh, you, Glock never fails. And a good buddy of mine, who I'm going to actually see this weekend, uh, ran a, a Austrian buddy of mine from growing up, ran Asian and South American uh, operations for Glock. So I kind of got to see an inside look at the company. And just I like that product. And I, I'm at the point now where I don't want to learn something else. I bought, a, I bought a, the, the six-hour P365 which is kind of nice and small and compact, and I've got that. But it adds some other elements that I don't have to worry about with a Glock. So it's funny. I got that, and my son was uh, like, oh, great. You're going to carry that when we go to the movies tonight or out to dinner or whatever it was? And I said, no, you, you don't want to take a brand-new gun that you've never fired before out and pin your life to it. So I think I'm probably, short of taking fun stuff to the range, my concealed carry is always going to be Glocks. Well, I kind of like them, too. I have the uh, Glock 43, and I know that's a nice concealable weapon. Yep. I've got one of those, too. It's it's fantastic. I love it. You know, I got my wife um, a Glock 26 because the quote-unquote baby Glock, it's heavy, and it's <laughs> – uh, especially the way the magazine is set up. And that was the smallest one I could get her in nine millimeter years ago. And just, it was tough for her to cycle the slide, no matter how much I loosened it up and, and stuff like that. And so she transitioned to a hammerless 38. She gave up the um, the capacity, but she really likes the 38 and she can fire it through her purse so or, or through her coat pocket. You're never going to see the gun if she has to fire it. So there was a good fit for her and it made open my eyes that it isn't one size fits all when it comes to weapons. You've got to really make sure you try everything and find out what works for you well she must have that uh smith and wesson what 642 yep yep with the with the crimson trace grips 
so yeah, so she she really digs that. That's what is that a J frame and it's their air weight. Um, so yeah, she really really likes that. And it's easy. Listen, if it's too much of a pain in the butt to carry, you're not gonna you're gonna leave it at home, and that defeats the purpose of going through all the training and in, in getting uh, your concealed carry permit. It's got to be something that's easy to take out with you and that you feel comfortable with and you're not worried about. So I'm happy for her to just have something. No doubt, and I know a lot of folks former cops and agents and so forth they uh carry the little five shot as a backup listen it's a super super gun and what's funny is is that i just got back from key west a couple of days ago and so i went to hemingway's house and everything and i had never read to have and have not and so uh i i took that down to key west with me and i was reading it and it was funny because harry the main character in the book was a former miami cop and on his boat when he's making the run from Cuba back to Key West, he's got a 38 on his hip from his cop days. So I kind of thought that was neat. Yeah, that is very cool. And it's amazing how they're still around and there's so many of them are just flying off the shelves, especially down here in Texas. Gun sales in some places have really slowed. There isn't that fear with the current administration that gun rights are going to be curtailed. It's an interesting thing to watch the intersection of politics and economics in how they play uh, upon each other. Brad, you've been so successful with your thrillers. Uh, how do you go about uh, honing your craft today? Well, it's, a, it's a great question. So my dad's a Marine, no longer active. Uh, he grew up on the south side of Chicago, and the Marine Corps was his ticket out, uh, and he went to college on the GI Bill. And he instilled in us a very serious work ethic. Uh, and so I take my job very seriously. I don't work for Simon & Schuster. I work for every reader of my books. Those are my bosses. And when they go leave a review at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, that's my annual performance review. And I want those people to be happy. I want them to say, you know what? Thor did even better this year than he did last year. I'm a small business person. I put out one product a year and I work my butt off to make it as good as I can. And that means I'm constantly looking for ways to perfect my craft. So when I'm not writing a book, I'm reading books about writing, which is very interesting. I don't know a lot of writers who are at this point in their career that are reading other books about how to become a better writer and a better storyteller. But that's me. I'm constantly, even if it's little tweaks, little turns of the screw here and there, I'm all about that. Any books you would recommend along those lines? David Morrell's book, Lessons Learned from a Lifetime of Writing, fantastic. Stephen King's On Writing is excellent. Um, and then there's a host of books, little ones that delve way deep into the woods on character motivation and stuff like that. And without them sitting in front of me, unfortunately, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you the names. Brad, when you were growing up, what books did you read as a teenager? Stephen King, speaking of him in his book on writing, uh, said that you should write what you love to read. And so since I was a teenager, I was reading things like Clancy and Ludlum and Freddie Forsyth. That's really where my, my love is. That's my niche is in those political thrillers. Uh, Elmore Leonard was famous for saying <laughs> or giving this piece of writing advice, which is leave out all the parts that people skip. <laughs> so uh, where Clancy, and I'm going to exaggerate here, would go 50 pages on the guidance system for a missile, all that's important for me is that I've got a team on the ground and they lays the target and the missile hits the target. I don't need to know how a gyroscope works or anything. My dad used to swear that Clancy got paid by the word, but – 
that's that's a little bit of, of why I write what I write because I've I've read in that uh, I've read in that genre genre forever and uh, that that piece of advice from Stephen King really resonated with me. We'll get back to Brad Thor and Fred Burton in just one moment. But if you're interested in reading Backlash, be sure to check out the links in our show notes. In Thor's latest book, Intelligence Officer Scott Harvath has to go it alone. And while he gets the job done, it's harder and more complex than usual. When you are looking for backup to find out the underlying geopolitics behind global events, Stratfor Enterprise provides critical information that can help businesses succeed. Our analyst team provides valuable insight into the short and long-term implications of what's happening right now, and that's so you can develop a more accurate view of the future. If you're not already a Stratfor member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise subscriptions at stratfor.com slash subscribe. Now, back to Fred, Brad, and Backlash. Now, if you were to pick, who would you pick as an author as your favorite, or do you have a favorite author? You know what? I read lots of different things. So the guy who really pioneered my genre is Vince Flynn. And Vince's stuff, God bless him, was absolutely fantastic. And uh, the author who's taken over since Vince's passing, Kyle Mills, it's funny. I knew Kyle before I was ever an author. And uh, it's funny because his dad uh, was in the FBI and my dad's best friend was in the FBI with him, Daryl Mills, uh, Kyle's dad. And so I used to go to the, uh, the a conference that the agents would have in Sun Valley every year as a guest. And they do major city police chiefs there along with this uh, NEIA, National Executive Institute. And uh, I got to know Kyle and read his books, loved his books, and I just thought, wow, what a small world that I knew him before I was an author. And now here he and I are both at Simon & Schuster as authors, same editor. Uh, It's just – it's kind of funny how things happen. That's an amazing story. What's the hardest lesson you've learned in this business? You've been at this for a while. What's uh, the most difficult part or the hardest lesson you've learned? Boy, that's there's so many good lessons, and each one has a different degree of difficulty. Um, It's it's funny because I studied creative writing at the University of Southern California, and they taught craft, but not the business of writing. So they never talked about getting an agent, reading a royalty statement, all that kind of stuff that I think uh, authors, writers would be well served by it's the hard work is writing the book is not the hardest part. It's you could write the greatest book in the world, but if nobody knows about it, uh, you're not going to get the book read. So the business end of it, the, the doing interviews and the marketing and the advertising was really where the steepest learning curve was for me because I had to look, the publishing world is an interesting world because they don't necessarily study what Nike's doing, what Apple's doing, what IBM is doing. And I repeatedly come back to that. As the son of an entrepreneur, I look at that and say, well, if it's the new iPhone coming out or a new piece of software, why are we not treating the launch the same way? You know, we, we, Books are special, but they also aren't that different when it comes to products. You've got competitors, you've got a release window, all this kind of stuff. So really drilling down and learning about the business end of publishing has probably been the um, – the most intense 
uh, challenge of the entire business. I love writing and I love the marketing of the books and all that kind of stuff, but it's gotten, you know, it's gotten tougher. People would rather binge on Netflix or scroll through their phones. I don't know that we're raising new generations of readers. We get wonderful kids in grade school that read all the Harry Potter books and read, 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 and then they get a smartphone and they're done reading. They're on Instagram all the time and that kind of a thing. So breaking through to get to those people uh, is is probably the biggest challenge now in our industry. Brad, how do you think you could reach uh, new readers or young readers? Well, a lot is going to depend upon what kind of characters I'm putting in the books. So what I've done is I've added younger members to Harvath's team. Uh, Chase Palmer and Sloan Ashby. Chase was uh, – Chase was a guy that worked at the at DIA after coming out of Delta Force, and Sloan Ashby was a uh, a combat veteran that killed more uh, bad guys in theater uh, than the men. And she got uh, she got a target put on her back by Al Qaeda. They really wanted her taken down because she she had nailed so many people, and uh, it, it messed up her career. She was so good, the army pulled her out. So for me to attract that younger reader, I bring on board these new characters, but then I need to let them breathe. So I'm doing a book a year for Harvath, but what I'm looking for now is what I can do to kind of – if Harvath is a 747 or 730 – I probably shouldn't say 737. Let's say <laughs> let's say 787. Um, if Harvath is that big mega jet, how do, I, how do I put these two younger characters out there as like a, a G650 and some kind of real high-end citation? So do I do some short story stuff? Do I open it up? We've had some inquiries about doing graphics graphic novels. So right now we're looking at ways to reach that audience and onboard them for other things I have done. We don't know that novel length fiction as a way to introduce these new readers is the way to go. It may be short stories. It may be graphic novels. Um, and it may even be, we're talking to Hollywood about some of this stuff. They like a couple of these younger characters and it may be that people see them on screen before they even get their own standalone work with me. So so right now it's you know there's a lot of marks on the whiteboard and we don't know which one we're going to circle as the one we're going for just yet. After Spymaster you have backlash now coming out. Do you design your titles? Do you come up with those or are those addressed by your entire publishing team? No, I normally come up with the titles. I'll bounce them off my editor and see what she likes. She's really good at saying no. And then I'll say, okay, well, what should we do? And she doesn't have an answer for me. She's like, I just didn't like the last five. You, Brad, go back to the drawing board. <laughs> this time for Backlash, she came to me with that title. And it was right away. It was the perfect title for what was happening in this book. So I have to give my uh, editor, Emily Bessler, full credit for coming up with Backlash. It's the first time she's ever proposed a, a title. It's a great title, and I think it's so fitting. And I, I don't want to disclose anything about the storyline in Backlash, but for anybody that's read or listened in the audiobook of Spymaster, uh, Backlash is just a perfect segue into into that story. And uh, I'm left at the end of Backlash, though, like you do so well, Brad, with wanting to know what's next. I remember putting down Backlash and thinking, oh, Lord, now I have to wait another year for Brad's <laughs> next book. So any teasers out there that you might want to talk a little bit about it, it, as to what could be coming down the pike with uh, Scott Harbath? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm even happy to give uh, your listeners a 30,000-foot on Backlash just to give them a little bit of an idea of what this current book is about. I'm happy to reveal a little bit, if that's okay with you. Fire away, my friend. Love to hear it. 
All right. So I have, as I, we made that comparison to the James Bond films, that you can go see the latest Bond movie, never having watched a Bond film before, and that's totally cool. And that's, that's the way my books work. You can go to Backlash and uh, never having read a Brad Thor book before it. And the concept in Backlash is, is that we've done rendition. We've grabbed bad guys and taken them, taken them to black sites. And in my book, I have Scott Harvath, who's America's number one operative. And he has foiled tons of uh, schemes and attempts by a hostile foreign nation to the United States. He's he, he splashed a bunch of their operatives. He's been involved in, in kidnapping some of their diplomats and all this kind of stuff. So this, this hostile nation has decided, you know what? This guy gets in our way way too often. So what we're going to do is we're going to grab him and we are going to wring him dry. We're going to get all the intel we can out of him and then we're going to kill him. I've never had Scott Harvath in any of my thrillers get taken uh, hostage. Nobody's ever gotten the upper hand on him. He is the apex predator. Nobody gets to him. But in this book, I had a very bloody setup where he does get grabbed. There's a lot of collateral damage. Uh, this is an act of war. Grabbing an American operative on American soil and doing this is an act of war. So they put the bag over his head. They smuggle him out of the United States. They land in their home country. They go to switch planes to transition him to their version of a black site. And in the, during that second flight, the plane develops a catastrophic engine failure and it crashes. He survives the crash. Now the race is on. Can he get out of that country before they hunt him down? And that's just page one of Backlash. That's one of the hallmarks, I think, of my thrillers is the action starts on page one. So that's a little bit of a setup for Backlash and in, in what, uh, what I've done with this book that's coming out in, on June 25th. And wow is all I could say after reading it and finishing it and putting it down and – uh, you certainly have done a tremendous job with that, Brad. When you start thinking about this business in general, where do you see it going, Brad? Do you think that uh, uh, the future is in uh, the printed book or uh, – you know, I, I know from just going to book signings myself, uh, I, it seems more and more folks are reading books uh, on Kindles or Nooks. Where do you see the industry going? Well, we watched as e-reading devices really peaked, and they've started to come down, and there's been a resurgence in people wanting to actually have a physical hardcover, and I, I'm that guy. I, for a long time, because I always have six books going, I loved having my e-reader because I could take all, all the books with me at one time, and I'm really a paper, uh, sometimes paperback, hardcover guy. Audible has been booming. So the audio editions have been huge. That's been the biggest growth area in publishing, but right now... Listen, people are really binging on Netflix and things like that. Uh, Amazon Prime, they bought the rights to uh, to Jack Ryan, and so they did that whole season setting up Jack Ryan. Right. And uh, Le Carre's book, uh, The Night Manager, they did a six-part episodic series, and it did really well. It was so well done. They followed it up with Little Drummer Girl. So it's the golden age of television right now, and we are in a deal in Hollywood. It's funny. I, I was actually on the phone before you and I began this interview with my entertainment attorney uh, going over some stuff with the people at the studio in Hollywood. But we are we are closer than we've ever been to inking a major deal uh, for big screen and small screen. And so I'm just going to gently knock on wood on my desk here that that's uh, that that's going to be something we've got going. But until I'm sitting in a theater seat or I've got it up on the uh, on the screen in my house and I'm watching it, I'm not going to believe it's a done deal. We've, <laughs> we've been down this road too many times with Hollywood. Well, uh, my fingers are crossed for you, my friend. I can't think of a better figure to be on uh, 
TV or in movies than Scott Harvath. And, and I will probably be, no doubt, the hundredth person to ask you this, but if that happens, you're going to need some extras. So is there any way you can work <laughs> me into the scene anywhere? I could be like one of the victims at Harvath shoots or anything. I'd just be happy to be out there. See, now that's original. What I normally get asked is all my buddies want to be there for the casting of the all-female Delta Force team. Your, your request is actually quite reasonable and quite original. So I'm going to put you at the top of the list for that, Fred. That would be awesome. I've, I've long since uh, wondered, going back to even books like Blacklist, that this series is destined for a, a TV kind of uh, show or for the big screen? I, th- I think so. And that's the feedback we've repeatedly gotten from Hollywood. So at some point, I'll write a nonfiction book about all the twists and turns and what happens with movie deals. Uh, the, one of the typical things that happens is it's like a pride of lions. And when a new lion comes in, it kills all the cubs. And that's often what happens at studios. When a new head of the studio comes in, all of these projects that are in development get killed. The the new exec comes in with a different mandate from the board, and we're going to do monster movies now, or we're going to do superhero movies. And it's just, you have to be tenacious. You have to stick with it. And Hollywood is filled with stories about, you know, it took 10 years, it took 15 years, whatever. It's going to be right when it happens. We're in with a great team right now, although they could fumble. They could... You know, we're, we're about the two-yard line right now. Uh, we're just waiting for the studio to finally dot the I's and cross the T's and say, okay, I, it could happen. It could not happen. There could be a major earthquake in California. I hope not. That swallows up the studio. Who knows at this point? So I'll believe it when I see it. Brad, do you think we'll ever see the end of Scott Horvath? You know, I don't, I don't think so. So as I look at the reading public, when I look at where my audience is and all this kind of stuff, and it's interesting, I have a lot of grandparents that'll give grandchildren copies of the book or dads that give it to sons or sons give it to fathers. And everybody really likes the Harvath character. He's the ultimate Boy Scout. He'll, he'll, he'll get his hands dirty, but he stands for something and he's got a code and People really like that. So, uh, you know, I look at somebody like Clive Cussler, who's kept Dirk Pitt going, uh, as opposed to the Clancy franchise, which handed off kind of the kinetic stuff to Jack Ryan Jr. I don't think there's any reason why I can't keep going with Scott Harvath's series, especially that's where my bread and butter is. My, my readers love it. I've aged them a little bit. And uh, like most of the kind of more seasoned operatives, he cheats which is how he closes that gap, right? So he's, uh, if he has to cheat to win, he's willing to do it, whatever it takes to get the mission uh, accomplished. So I think people, I think that speaks to them, and I don't see any end to Harvath anytime soon. Well, that is good news because I'm one of his biggest fans, and Backlash will be published June 25th, and that's Brad Thor's new book. Thank you so much for being with us today on Stratfor Talks, Brad. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me again, Fred. Thanks for joining us for this pen and sword conversation with Stratfor's Chief Security Officer, Fred Burton, and Brad Thor, author of Backlash. We'll include details on how to purchase the book in our show notes, along with a link to Fred Burton's latest bestseller, Beirut Rules. If you're interested in learning how Stratfor can help you with analytic tools to visualize and anticipate the areas in the world where your interests and operations are at greatest risk, be sure to visit stratfor.com enterprise. 
To ask a question about this podcast or even propose an idea for the next one, drop us an email at podcast at stratford.com. And please take a moment to leave a review on the podcast page on iTunes or wherever you listen. Your feedback is really valuable to us. And for more geopolitical intelligence, links, and fun facts about what goes into forecasting world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stratfor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.